It's been a celebratory week for European hockey, with the Avicii Arena in Stockholm hosting four NHL Global Series games and the Champions Hockey League returning for the round of 16. We'll be covering a whole bundle of hockey news in this episode of our podcast. Welcome to the Hockey with Ice podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey with Ars podcast. My name is Matt Smith and I'm recording this episode a day earlier than normal. We're going for a Sunday podcast recording at the end of what's been a busy week. Uh, had a night out in London and all sorts. So it's been a good one this week. Hope you had a good one too. With lots of time spent watching hockey, there's been plenty to enjoy, particularly at a convenient time here in Europe with the NHL games to watch. We've seen the major European hockey leagues also coming back after the international break. So I've been catching up on some of that too. So plenty to enjoy. It did, in fact, include a rare Saturday early game for my Edmonton Oilers too. Now, of course, we lost the game to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but all the same, it was an exciting one. And I was able to do a live stream on our YouTube channel. It's the first in-game live stream I've done. So it was on for a good two and a half hours. There was... I think it's up to about 125 views so far at the last check. And various people were commenting throughout, so that was a lot of good fun. So if you are listening to the podcast for the first time, having seen me on the live stream, thank you very much for joining me here at Hockey with Ice. Yeah, it was an exciting game, even if we did lose it. The Oilers did lose it. Uh, but that's really been the way for the things for the Oilers so far this season. Outshooting opponents left, right and centre, but still somehow coming out on the wrong end of things and well I'm not going to turn this podcast into another doom and gloom episode for the Edmonton Oilers we will move on from the Oilers straight away we will be previewing the second legs of the round of 16 Champions Hockey League games a little later on but first of all we will dive into the global series here in Stockholm with some NHL news The Global Series is such a great venture, such a great initiative to allow fans from all across the world to see some live NHL action. Of course, they were in Australia earlier in the season, but four games in Stockholm at the Avicii Arena. And what a celebration, not only of the NHL, but really Swedish hockey too. There were lots of Swedes on show, some of them starring particularly And great to see so many people enjoying the NHL and showing. I think it's good that the NHL gives back to Sweden in that way because at last count, it was somewhere around the region of about 9% of all NHL players currently are from Sweden. So they contribute a lot to the sport. And it's lovely to see the NHL go back there and give the fans something to enjoy. So four games, we'll go through them in order. Game one took place on Thursday. It was between Detroit and the Ottawa Senators. And how about that for a kickoff for a global series action in Stockholm? An absolute stunner. Ottawa Senators went ahead 4-0. They scored quite early in the second period to make it 4-0. Only for Detroit to hit back with four of their own. 
Crazy stuff. The second goal for Detroit coming on the sort of goal that I love. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll know this is a bit of a theme for me. Goals that should be an own goal in any other situation or maybe even just a fluke of a goal. But they count towards the last attacking player or offensive team player who touches the puck. So in this case, it was a shot from the blue line by, I think it was Ollie Marta, and it hit uh, David Perron on the hand, looped up, up and over Corpusalo in net and bounced into the goal. Perron didn't know anything about it really, but he took the credit and got the goal, so good for him. Well, it was 4-4 at the end of regulation, went into overtime, and boy, oh boy, what a finish that was. Two seconds to go in overtime. Tim Sutzler, the young German star, with an incredible piece of hand-eye coordination, batting the puck out of the air, a baseball swing, hitting a home run, a walk-off shot, past James Reimer in the goal to win it 5-4. A thrilling game, an incredible game to start things off in Sweden. All the fans there definitely got their money's worth in that one and a big win for Ottawa great goal by Stutzer and he also set up Brady Kachuk for the second Ottawa goal with a lovely spin move just fed it across the ice brilliant stuff Friday this was another really good game Toronto against Detroit and as the commentator said at the start of the game this was really Two generations of Swedish NHL fans, really. You had the slightly older generation, lots of Swedes, Toronto Maple Leaf fans. And then you have slightly younger generation who have grown up with so many great Swedish players on the Detroit Red Wings. So lots of fans, lots of blue, lots of red. We did see for the first time this new rule or relaxing of the rule that the NHL have put in now, whereby... You don't have to match up the helmet colour with the jersey colour. You always have had to in the past. So the Maple Leafs had white jerseys with blue helmets. Looks a bit odd, but that is something new they are trying. So, yes, we'll see. Let me know your thoughts on that. Do you think it's a good idea? Mm, It looked okay, I guess, but we'll see. We'll see if some other teams come up with some unusual matching of colours now that they can do that. But plenty of Swedes on show in this game. Most of the Swedes were in the starting lineup, so they all stood along the blue lines, having their names called out. The biggest cheer, of course, went to William Nylander, and he was the star of the show in this one. Toronto won it 3-2. to two. Lucas Raymond did get his second goal in two nights for Detroit, so another homeboy there. But William Nylander scored with seven minutes to go in the third period to make it 2-2. John Tavares netted the winner less than 90 seconds later. There was a good mix of fans at the arena, and that was a good one on Friday. Really good game that, 3-2 to Toronto. Then game three of the series took place on Saturday. Another close affair. All these games being decided by just the one goal. This was Minnesota Wild against Ottawa Senators. Tied one apiece going into overtime and they couldn't be separated there. So it went to a shootout and the Ottawa Senators won it. Now it was all about the dueling Swedes in nets here. Anton Forsberg for Ottawa and Philippe Gustafsson for Minnesota. Both only conceded once in regulation. You do have to give the edge to Forsberg though because he got an assist 
on Ottawa's equaliser. It was an interesting goal. There was a shot blocked, so Ottawa took a shot. Block shot was blocked. Puck bounced out, bounced down the ice towards Forsberg. So both teams went on a change. But Eric Brandstrom, another Swede, was alive to it, and so was Forsberg. He flicked the puck, a good long pass, down to Brandstrom, who drilled it home uh, to equalise for Ottawa. So that was 1-1. Josh Norris put Ottawa ahead in the shootout, and then Forsberg denied another Swede, in fact, Joel Eriksson-Eck, to win it for Ottawa. And then today, in a really early game, it almost caught me by surprise, to be honest, it was so early. Uh, that was Toronto and Minnesota, Another one decided by one goal in overtime, and you know who scored it. It was written in the stars. William Nylander won it in overtime, extended his point streak to 17 games. The reports over the weekend is that Nylander bought more than 90 tickets for family and friends. Um, so that must have cost him a few quid. I mean, he's got the money, let's be honest. And I'll have even more money at the end of this season because he has started it on fire, and it's his contract season. And... It, it's it's a tough spot, to be honest, for the Toronto Maple Leafs because they've already got Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares under contract. Do they really have the space to add William Nylander to the mix? Four players on big contracts, and that could be difficult for them. So it may be the great start that Nylander has had to this season is going to price him out of staying with the Maple Leafs. Let me know what you think about Latham where he might go if he doesn't stay with the Maple Leafs. I know Toronto fans won't want to be thinking about that, but Willie Nylander was the star. He is the uh, the fashion icon. He's like the David Beckham of hockey, isn't he? And the Swedes were loving him all weekend, and he really came up when the star when uh, when the pressure was on. When everything was there for him, he shone the brightest. So a wonderful weekend of hockey in the NHL at the Avicii Arena in Stockholm. And we'll be good to see more games coming across Europe in the very near future. Now, I mentioned the weird goal for David Perron in one of those games, but there was a classic should be an OG goal. I think I'm going to turn that into a little jingle. Should be an OG. So you don't get own goals in hockey, as you know, but this one should have been. Took place on Saturday Winnipeg Jets against the Arizona Coyotes. Winnipeg won this game 5-2, but it was all about the goal. So it was tied one apiece, and then Vladislav Nemestnikov put the Jets in front 2-1 to one, with a ridiculous goal, right? So it was a bit of a mix-up. Carol Vimelka behind the net didn't quite come into his zone, so he had to leave it. There was a bit of a mix-up. Nemestnikov flicked it back from the backboard, and he cannoned off Lawson Krauss, I think it was, and then deflected into the net. So Nemesnikov's shot was actually ineffective. It wouldn't have hit anyone. It would have gone into centre ice, but instead it ended up in the back of the net. Now, Mark Shifley said after the game, I think it was intentional. I don't think he was trying to pass it. He was trying to maybe even bank it off Imelka. But you've got to be good to be lucky. Hmm. I'm not sure how intentional it was, to be honest with you. I think he was just chucking it back into the centre of the ice to see if something could happen. And boy, did it. So he gets the goal, even though his shot technically was going absolutely nowhere near the net. 
But yeah, there we go. You'll take it, I am sure. And talking about taking it, how about those Winnipeg Jets? They've started this season really well. Coming into it, there was so much talk about where were the Jets going? Were they going to try to be competitive again? Were they going to tear it down? Connor Hellebuck had one year left. Mark Shifley had one year left. But then out of nowhere, it was announced that both of those two players had signed long-term contract extensions. And it's just kept going. They're 10-5-2 so far this season. They've won six of their last seven games. In fact, Mark Shifley is really in great form. Got a goal and two assists yesterday against Arizona. Uh, he has, in his past six games, he's had at least three points, um, three times. So he has two goals, 10 assists over that stretch. So he is in great form and the Jets are doing really well. So good for them. As I said, they were they were somewhat being talked down coming into the season, but they've definitely started off pretty well. Now, we always end up talking about injuries when it comes to the NHL. Unfortunately, it is part of all sports, but particularly part of hockey. And as always, there is good and bad news to cover. So the good news for the New Jersey Devils was that Jack Hughes returned to action on Saturday night when he first suffered the injury when he and it was all just a, a bit of an accident. He lost an edge as he was driving towards the net and smashed into the board's head first. Weren't sure whether it was a head injury or a shoulder injury initially, but it was a shoulder injury. There was some concern that he could be out for a long time, but thankfully he's only missed five games. I mean, it's a lot for him because they've missed him so much. But he suffered that injury against the Blues on November 3rd, and he was back in the Devils lineup on Saturday against the New York Rangers in a game that, unfortunately, for the Devils, they did lose 5-3, to three, although Hughes did get a goal and an assist. The only problem with that is that Nico Hisha and Timo Meyer are both out injured at the moment too. So they desperately need the Jack Hughes back and at least they've got him back. But they are still pretty banged up at the moment, those Devils. And they would be delighted to have some of these guys coming back as soon as possible. It doesn't sound like Timo Meyer's one is particularly serious. He's day-to-day at the moment, but they need they need those players back in quick order. As for players coming back, the Florida Panthers had to wait for two defensemen, in fact, their top two defensemen, to start their season, but they finally have done so. Aaron Ekblad and Brandon Monteur were activated off the long-term injured reserve list on Friday night as the Florida Panthers beat the Anaheim Ducks 2-1. to They've been unavailable. They both suffered shoulder injuries in the run to the Stanley Cup final last season, underwent shoulder surgery so it took them a while to get back but they are now back with the team however the hockey gods giveth and the hockey gods taketh away and this was a real cruel blow in the same game for the Florida Panthers yes their captain Alexander Barkov suffered an injury now I've just checked things online so this is I'm recording this it's what 8.25 in the evening UK time. So whatever that is, 3.25 p.m. Eastern time in North America. So I've just checked on the latest news. There may be more by the time you've heard this. But the update so far is that Barkov left Friday's game against Anheim after a hit from Jackson Decombe in the third period. It's a knee injury. He did not practice today on Sunday and is listed as being day-to-day. 
So he will not play on Monday night, and that is against the Edmonton Oilers. So he will miss that one. Currently doesn't seem to be much worse than that. So day-to-day at the moment, rather than week-to-week or any long-term injured reserve list situation. But any period of him being out for the team is a massive blow for the Florida Panthers, despite those injuries to defensemen and other players. Florida Panthers have still had a good start, largely because of that top line. I mean, it's a great top line with Barkov, Evan Rodriguez, Sam Reinhardt. They have been outstanding to start this season. And it feels a real cruel blow, doesn't it, for the Panthers that they finally get Montour and Ekblad back and our Barkov goes down. But hopefully, for the Panthers' sake, and hopefully for hockey fans' sake, not for too long. His start to the season, 17 points from his first 16 games for Barkov, but he is on the shelf at least for a little while. And someone, just to finish it off, who's going to be out for longer than a little while, is Tage Thompson. Now, he's not had a great start to the season, it has to be said, for the Buffalo Sabres. He's just been scuffling a bit. Um, Six goals so far in 16 games after an absolute breakout season last year. 47 goals last season, sixth in the league. 94 points as well. So, He really took that big step and the Sabres were counting on him again this year, particularly with some injuries. They've already got uh, players that they are missing out on, but suffered a couple of injuries on the week. He had the the interesting one against Boston where Charlie McAvoy's skate whacked into him. It's, I mean, we're seeing it all the time in football, soccer at the minute. Everyone is slowing everything down on Twitter and posting video clips saying, look, this was deliberate, this was deliberate. It always looks deliberate when you slow it right down. I don't think there was anything in it. I know Charlie McAvoy's got a bit of previous there, but I think it was just an unfortunate coming together. But the injury that really did for Tage Thompson was when he got smacked in the hand by a shot. And... He is listed as week-to-week. So that is the latest update from Don Granato, the Sabres head coach. He is week-to-week. Isn't expected to miss more than two months, but he is going to be out probably for at least six weeks, so maybe six to eight weeks. That is a blow. Yes, he hadn't started the season as well as they had hoped, but with the quality he possesses, you know it's only a matter of time before he turns it round. And he's now going to be missing, say, for the next six weeks or so. And it's going to take him some time to get up to speed again. So, you know, you're really looking at him coming back early, probably early January now, by the looks of it. We're coming, we're already getting close to Christmas. All the Christmas adverts are going on TV. It's a nightmare, isn't it? All in the shops, all of the fuss and nonsense. Sorry to sound like a Scrooge, but it does come a bit early, doesn't it? But yeah, Tage Thompson out for a, a little while and it's not been a great start. It's not been a terrible start for the Buffalo Sabres, let's be honest, but not been quite the start they were hoping for. So much excitement, so much optimism for this season and it's not quite gone for them so far. And losing Tage Thompson for a while is not what they needed at all. With that being said, that is the key NHL news all rounded up. We move across to Europe. As I mentioned at the top of the show, the European Hockey Leagues, the main European Hockey Leagues, had an international break just recently. So the leagues all started up again on Thursday in Sweden and in Finland and in Switzerland and Germany, all of the other major leagues. I will say the Elite Ice Hockey League did get going again, of course, in the 
really sombre mood that has come out of the tragic death of Adam Johnson. So the Elite Ice Hockey League had been going on in the UK. It's just getting back into things. And one thing we do need to quickly touch on, of course, is the game on Saturday nights between the Nottingham Panthers and Manchester Storm and Adam Johnson Memorial. Very emotional scenes at the Motor Point Arena. The Panthers retiring Johnson's number 47. So um, an emotional night, a sad night, but also a, a night to celebrate hockey and to celebrate Adam Johnson. So um, best wishes to everyone once again who has had to deal with the the, um, the terrible tragedy of Adam Johnson's death and trying to move on with the season. Very, very difficult for the Sheffield Steelers, the opposing team, and Nottingham Panthers, but that is now what they are doing. But the major European club hockey competition, the Champions Hockey League, returned last week, or the week just gone indeed. If you listened to the last podcast episode, I previewed all of the round of 16 matchups and the knockout competition phase of the Champions Hockey League season this year is for the round of 16 quarterfinals and semifinals. They are home and away legs for both teams with an aggregate score deciding the winner. If the teams are level at the end of the second leg, on aggregate score, it goes to overtime and then to a shootout. So the first legs in the eight matchups took place on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. And there was plenty of drama, some really good games, just as we expected. Plenty of drama to look at. We start with a, a bizarre situation. And I mean, what do you even call it for Lati Pelicans? So Finland's Lati Pelicans hosting Vitkovic at Ridera and... It was a total disaster for the home team. We were about 11 minutes or so into the game at the Yusku Arena in Lati. And unfortunately, the officials had to make a call because there were issues with the ice. The officials stopped the game. They tried to find a way to fix the problems with the ice surface, but they were unable to do so. So the game had to be postponed. It was cancelled. And unfortunately, if it's a league game, maybe you would get away with it. Maybe you could find somewhere in the schedule to try and redo it. But not in knockout competition, not the Champions Hockey League. So the only thing that could happen, as per the regulations, was for Fitkovic of Radira to be awarded a 3 to nothing victory. And that puts Lati Pelicans in a real hole, heading out... For the second leg. So the return game of the matchup takes place on Tuesday. That is Tuesday 21st. It's a 6pm start time Central European time in Ostrava in the Czech Republic. Fikovice lead it free to nothing because of the forfeit win. Lati Pelicans with it all to do to try and get back into the tie. Whoever does come through that one will face the winner of the tie between Adler Mannheim and Rappersville Yona Lakers. Now, this was first against 16th. When it comes to the seedings, when it comes to the rankings, Adler Mannheim, top seed, Rappersville Yona Lakers, 16th seed. So, of course, you know what was going to happen. Yes, Rappersville came out on top 4-1 to one in the first leg. In Rappersville, Jordan Schroeder 
and Lyndon Fay traded goals before Jan Marco Feta broke the 1 1 tie with less than three minutes to go in the first period. There were no goals in the second, and then four and a half minutes into the third period, Jordan Schroeder got his second of the night to make it 3 to 1. But the big moment came at the end of the game. There was about 1 minute 40 left on the clock. The experienced German goaltender Felix Bruckmann played it behind his own net, but it got intercepted by Victor Rask, dished it out in front to Martin Frick, who slammed it home past a despairing dive of Bruckmann. So a really big goal. 3-1 is a deficit that you can... It's, it's a deficit, but, you know, it's only one goal and you're right back in it. A free goal lead... For Rappersville, he's a big, big lead. And that's that goal could be the turning point in his tie. We will see. It does now go to Mannheim for the game on Tuesday. It's a 6.30 UK time, I think. 7.30 Central European. So all to do for Adler Mannheim. They are down 4-1, to one, which is not what you expected. You expected Adler to at least hold serve on the road and then probably... Ease through by a couple of goals in the second leg, but they now trail by three goals and really are going to have to come out firing to get anywhere in this tie and try to rescue it. Now, we do know full one down, if they can get a couple of goals early in the first period, then it becomes a completely different task. But they need to do that. They need to do that. They need to come out quick. And Rappersville going there. I mean, they are in dreamland. Four one up from the first leg. Yes, they know it's going to be a battle in Mannheim but they've given themselves every chance of getting through upsetting the form books upsetting the seedings and making it through to the quarterfinals can they do it we'll find out on Tuesday Next up, we had the Swedish Hockey League leaders Farjastad taking on BLBN. And it was five goals on the road for Farjastad as they beat BLBN 5-3. Victor Edsel, the 6-foot-5-inch forward, scored twice in this one after getting four points in three games for Sweden in the Euro Hockey Tour event the weekend before. Damien Brunner chested one in to make it 2-2 for BLBN of Edsel's first. But then Edsel was Back out in front of net again. Such a big presence. Got big wingspan. Really did well there on the power play to restore Farias lead within just a minute. And that felt like a big turning point in the game. For BLBN to level, to make it 2-2. They got back in it. Tails were up. For Farias to then hit back within a minute to re-grab the lead. To regain the lead indeed. Yeah, that was a blow for BLBN. Then we had defenseman August Toonby who steps forward at the end of the second period to make it 4-2. Mikkel Linkford scored early in the third period to make it 5-2. But credit to BLBN, they kept going and they got a power play goal through Alexander Yakovenko to at least draw within two goals. So BLBN, they trail by two, heading to Sweden. That is a difficult task, there's no doubt about it. And they always knew it would be against a very good Forrestar team. But... That goal gives them a sniff. Two goals down is achievable. It's not over just yet. And the interesting thing really when watching back 
I watched back some of it like I watched some of it live and then watched back the highlights. You had Harry Sartre and Max Lagasse in goal, two quality goalies, two quality experienced goalies, conceded eight between them. They did put off plenty of good saves as well, but the offense was on top in this one. Foriastad lead it five to three, heading home to Karlstad. You would definitely expect them to hold on and to get through to the quarterfinals. But BLBN, that goal to make it 5-3 just gives them a sniff, doesn't it? The other part of this bracket is Ocelari Trinec and Hjellefje, the Swedish team. A wild game in Trinec. And Trinec got a late winner to head into the return leg 4-3 up. So Trinec had a 2-0 lead and a 3-1 lead, and they let both of them slip. And it looked like being a very frustrating night for the home team. At 2-0 up, Libor Hudicek had a breakaway, fantastic save by Gustav Lindvall in net. Then Hrolefje went right back up the other end and scored on a rush to make it 2-1. Trinec thought they'd got themselves in a nice, comfortable position again when they took a 3-1 lead early in the third period through Daniel Karofsky's goal, but then Halefje got back into it within 90 seconds again to make it 3-2. And then with less than eight minutes to go, they got called a too-many-men-on-ice penalty. Dietrinec didn't secure it, took advantage with a power play goal to make it 3-3. The puck bounced off the defender. It was unlucky for Ocelari Trinec. But Libor Hudicek was able to give Trinec a narrow lead with just four minutes to go. Wide open at the back post, he was able to slot it home. So the second leg now is in Sweden. Trinec full free up. Again, they've given themselves a good chance. Hjellefje playing pretty well of late, but they're down and they've got to make home ice count if they're going to get through, potentially to set up an all-Swedish tie in the quarterfinal against Forestad, but that should be a good one. Second leg in Sweden, Trinec lead it 4-3 over Halefje. In my preview last week, I tipped Ilves Tumpera against Pardubica to be a real dark horse candidate for match of the week. And it almost lived up to that Bidding. I'm not sure. It was a bit cagey at some point, so maybe it didn't quite live up to that. But Dinamo Pardubic have got a very impressive 3-1 win on the road at Nokia Arena against the Finnish team and give themselves a great chance of making it a double a, a double nightmare for um, Tompera with Tapera Tompera, the reigning CHL champions, already being knocked out. Ilves trying to fly in the flag for Tompera and they could go out here. Pardubic's a 3-1 up. Ilves' Philly Meskinen got a one-time to open the score in halfway through the first period on the power play. But part of it, so we're able to draw level late in the period for Lucas Radil. Tomas Soronen made it 2-1. to one. one minute 35 into the second period. Great shot right up into the top corner. No chance on that one. But then Radil got his second goal of the night to make it 3-1. to one. Really good stuff from Dinamo Pardubice. Ilves did push incredibly hard in the third period. But you have to give credit to part of it. So they, they were certainly bending at points. It looked like they were going to crack, but they bended without breaking. Goaltender Roman Veal, 24 saves from 25 shots. So Dinamo part of it. So somewhat against, against what you would have expected going into the game. And 
in some ways, slightly against the run of play over the 60 minutes. But Dino Rapadovic's a lead this tie, 3-1. to one, And it now goes back to their place with a great chance for them to qualify for the quarterfinals. Another tie that is very finely poised is the one between Luko Rama and Innsbruck. It's finely poised at 2-2 after the first leg. You have to say, Luko Rama, the Finnish team, will be a little disappointed because they gave up a 2 to nothing lead. It is at least softened a little bit by the fact that the second leg is taking place at their home ice next Wednesday. So that is Wednesday 22nd. So they've got a chance to not worry about that. Tyres level, they can go on and try and win it at home. The game really revolved around the two teams' top lines. So for Luko Rama, that was Braden Burke, Julius Matila is their captain, and Sebastian Repo. And for Innsbruck, that's Braden Shaw, Corey Mackin, and Gordon Green. Two goals in the first for Luko Rama. Burke finishing off a lovely move set up by Matia and Repo. And then Repo made it two on an assist by Burke. But then the big turning point came when Innsbruck got on a score sheet with 17 seconds to go in the second period. Braden Shaw fired a puck home to make it 2-1 and they completed the comeback with just over five minutes to go on a lovely move. Green to Mackin to Shaw for his second of the night. So 2-2, finally poised. Let's see what those top lines, will it be the top lines that win it for either team will make the difference in the second leg? Or would it be someone else? Maybe someone from the bottom six stepping up and making a difference. We will see, but it should be a good one. Luca Roma against Innsbruck. On Wednesday, all to play for with Latai at 2 all. The final part of the bracket, the final two matchups, began with Red Bull Munich and Genève Servette. That was the German champions and the Swiss champions coming together. Now, Munich lead this one 3-2. But Daniel Winnick's late goal for Genève keeps him firmly in the tie as they head back home for the second leg. There were shots aplenty in this one. 32 on net for Munich, 47 in, 46 in total. And 37 shots by Genève, although only eight of them, 18 of them actually went on net. Munich got off to the perfect start. They scored twice in under a minute. Nicholas Kramer on 4 minutes 58 and then Chris de Sousa 32 seconds later. It was scoreless then until nearly eight minutes into the third period when Sakri Mananin got Genef on the board. Ben Smith hit back for Munchen to get that two-goal lead back. But Vinek's goal at the end may make all the difference. Just one goal between them as they head to Switzerland. And there's a big contribution, it has to be said. Goal scorers always get the, the attention, always get the headlines, of course. But Genef's goal tender, Robert Meyer, Fantastic, especially in the first and second period. Munich could, arguably should, have taken the game away from Genève Servet, but Meyer was fantastic in it. Save after save, some real stunners there. He has kept him in his tie. And you would still look at it and think Munich have got quite a lot going for them. They have the lead, they take the lead to Switzerland, so they will still be confident. But at the same time, it's just a one-goal lead. Genève Servet could well turn this tie around in the second leg. And finally, the winner of that tie will face the winner of Fekia Lakers and Ingolstadt. And it does look, as the form book would suggest, it does look like Sweden's Fekia are likely to go through in this one. They lead 4-1 to one after the first 
game goes by to BS Reader. And Gabriel Carlson gave the Swedish team a 2-0 lead at the end of the first period. Terrible luck for the home team, actually, on the opener. Reader flicked the puck up from behind the net. It hit the defender and went in. So it was a bit of a weekend of crazy goals, in fact. Ingolstadt did hit back early in the second period. Daniel Pieta scoring after 35 seconds. A lovely spin pass from Travis St. Dennis on that one. But Fekia added goals from Victor... Uh, Juan Bore, I think it is, and who is a fourth round 2021 pick of the Chicago Blackhawks. And Dylan McLaughlin also scored. So that means Fekia have a 4-1 lead after a scoreless third period. So free goal lead for the Swedes. They head back home. Ingolstadt will go there in hope rather than expectation. Let's be honest, Fekia, very strong team with a free goal cushion at home. You have to think they're going to get through. But stranger things have happened in sports. Stranger things have happened in hockey. So Ingolstadt will go there and try to pull off a major upset. But those are the eight ties. That's where they are. All of them relatively close. Fekia, I think you would say, very likely to go through having heading back home with a 4-1 lead. The rest of them... Ruppersville's 4-1 lead, you have to say, should be enough. But we know how good Adler Mannheim is. And if Mannheim can start getting some goals early in that game, it's really going to put the pressure on a, on Ruppersville. So that could turn around. That's the one where there could be a big switch round after the first leg. And of course, Lati Pelicans and Fitkovica. Fitkovica having the 3-0 lead because of the forfeit. What does that do to the psyche of Lati Pelicans going into this one? They're not having a great season in the domestic league. They've had a big blow, nothing to do with the players or the coaches. Can they turn this one round? It would be a hell of an effort if they can. Certainly the odds are against them, but look out for that one. Lati Pelicans trying to get themselves out of a hole dug by ice issues. So that just about does it for this episode of the podcast. Some great Champions Hockey League games coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. We do have a slightly abbreviated NHL week or a slightly disrupted NHL week, I guess you could say, with it being holiday week in North America. So no games on Tuesday, no games on Thursday. Thursday being Thanksgiving in the US. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of the listeners or watchers if you're watching this from the United States. Monday's games in the NHL. There are seven games in the NHL, including Edmonton at Florida. Uh, so again, Alexander Barkov looks to be missing that one. Boston at Tampa Bay. That should be a cracker. And also New York Rangers at Dallas. That's another one that should be good. Then Wednesday, Edmonton are at Carolina. Boston at Florida. New York Rangers at Pittsburgh. And then a couple of games from the Western Conference Vegas Golden Knights at Dallas Stars. Woof, that is going to be a cracker. And Vancouver Canucks, who've had a good start to the season at Colorado Avalanche. So then Thursday off, and then there are a whole bunch of early games on the Friday. So my plan this week is to record another podcast on Thursday evening UK time. So that should be available at some point later on Thursday, wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you, as always, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe at Hockey With Ice on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. 
subscribe to the YouTube channel too and check us out on the blog hockeywithice.uk Thanks again for listening. We'll be back very soon, later in the week, but enjoy the hockey coming your way over the next few days. Plenty of hockey to enjoy, particularly those Champions Hockey League return legs. Should be good. Have a good week, guys.